Welcome to episode 68 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name's Tim Sullivan. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by the Athletic Performance Insight. API's easy-to-use, affordable technology designed specifically for amateur hockey provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use the API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool and view a demo video. This week, we'll be speaking with somebody who has a bit of a different perspective on the game, having been involved at different levels as a referee, the zebra, the stripes. Joe Sherman will be with us today. We're going to talk to Joe about not only the referee side of the game, uh, but also his uh, uh, path in hockey, where uh, it went, and then how did he get in refereeing. And by the way, Joe is in studio with us live. But first, let's recap last week's show with head coach Andy Giroux of University School and head coach Joe Godino of Parma Senior High. Both guests were in studio. It was the first time that we did a live show like we're doing tonight. Um, so it was, I don't know, a bit rough to our listeners. I know it, it was, I was a little, uh, it sounded a little different. The content was great, but just sounded a little different. The content was awesome. That's the main thing. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, Joe Godino treats his program like a private school with accountability, work ethic, we talked to Joe a little bit about his path, four years of playing for Parma High School, four different coaches. Um, you know, we've gotten to know Joe for a long, long time, not only in hockey, but personally. And I tell you what, uh, you want to talk about a guy that's got passion uh, and drive, not only for hockey, for the Redmen, but for what he does uh, in life for his family. Uh, Joe's just one of those stand-up guys. Well, Joe Godino is hands down one of the best guys we have going in the city. Um, I know that's a, a huge bias on my part being that I have known him for a long time. However, like, like we stated uh, last week when we spoke with him, and, and even here just a minute ago, treat your, you have to have accountability in order to succeed in life. And Joe takes that to the umpteenth with uh, the way he makes his players accountable to all the disciplinary things and all the, the standards that you just, you would think you just need in order to be somewhere, be successful somewhere. And Joe does that to the umpteenth degree, making sure that his guys are getting life lessons along the way. It was fantastic. Anytime we get to get Joe talking about food too, even though I know we put him on the spot and he knew it was coming and we teed him up, but it's, it's always a great time to see Joey. Yep. And that was uh, and no coincidence that they've had a lot of success on the ice the last couple of years and uh, this year as well. And then we spoke with Andy Giroux from university school. And, you know, one of the things we talked about was the, the shoes of filling a, a coach like Bill Beard or a coach like Andre Lacroix. You know, he, he mentioned it. He's like, well, Andre coached four years and went to the finals for the final four, four years in a row. You know, so those are some big shoes. But as we all know in this room, Andy's doing a heck of a job filling those shoes uh, the right way. 
yeah, I think uh, number four in the state and the, the last rankings and uh, uh, they've had, they play a really tough schedule. I like that, that he goes out. And in addition to the um, challenging great lakes hockey league schedule, they don't, they don't uh, mess around. They go out and find the best competition they can find around Ohio, outside of Ohio uh, to uh, challenge, challenge that team and get them uh, as many in-season tests as they can. So they're ready to come, come the Cleveland cup and the districts. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've, we, we, but you know, and that was, that was something that he mentioned that coach he got from coach beard uh, to really kind of go out and hammer that schedule early. Um, but I think Scott, you brought up a great point to him. How do you keep high school guys engaged when you're, you know, maybe 500 or a little bit below 500. And how do you get high school guys to understand that this schedule will help you in the long run? And they've, they've got a recipe over there not to throw Joe's food antics at it, but they, they have a recipe there that can absolutely work. You know, I think one of the things that is kind of unfair and, and I, I know that we didn't do this and none of it is done on purpose about filling shoes. I mean, Andre Lacroix, how, how do you, you don't fill those shoes, Bill Beard, you don't fill those shoes. And I think that a- Andy has himself two excellent mentors that he is able to feed off of, get information from, uh, bounce ideas off of. I mean, look, let's be honest. Nobody in hockey is reinventing the wheel. So you're taking from someone else. You're using it as your own. I mean, hell, the American development model is the Swedish development model with some whiteout. I mean, let's call it what it is. So I think what Andy's done is is – taking the tradition that university school has had over, you know, a million years and he's thrown his twist to it yet. He's kept the traditional part of things, the, the structure of the program intact, because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And he's done a hell of a job, which, you know, knowing him, none of it surprises anybody. No, absolutely not. No, no. Um, But before we uh, dig into some news, uh, let's talk a little bit about what's going on. And and again, I want to say thanks to our listeners um, the past month and a half has been a little crazy. We've missed some weeks. Uh, we had, you know, we're trying some new, uh, uh, ways out and how to do the show to make sure it's more efficient. So, uh, thanks for continuing to listen. And, and you're right, Scott, uh, the content is what is the most important part. We'll figure out the, uh, not technical, the, the technical, technical side. side of it. And well, I won't, but somebody will, <laughs> somebody will, that guy, somebody. that guy staring at us that just stared in the screen with a smile on his face. <laughs> He knows what to do. Right. Um, well, we took some time off over the holidays, uh, Christmas, New Year's, obviously this Christmas and New Year's kind of similar to that in the past, which we were hoping it wasn't going to be. Um, but hopefully everyone had a good Christmas holiday. Jay, I know your kids are at the age right now where they're really getting in this Christmas. Yeah, they uh, yeah, we got a guy instead of doing an elf on a shelf. We have this reindeer at home and the kids named him Rudy Olaf. Yeah, so Rudy Olaf has been bouncing around the house, right? And so my wife's been throwing it out there that, you know, hey, Rudy Olaf's listening. He's calling, say he calls Santa every night. So the other day, Rudy Olaf went back to the North Pole. Oh. Yeah, he's, he's, he's long gone. I mean, he, he hit the dirt trail and he's headed up north to the North Pole. And he's gone for the summer. Rudy Olaf. Yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah. Rudolph? I got it. Yeah. And Olaf from uh, what's that movie? Frozen. Oh, fro- oh okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. Because my daughter's a huge Frozen fan. There we go. I like yeah. how he plays it down like he does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but it's from Frozen. Can you anybody know? hear me? <laughs> you want me to sing all the songs I can do? <laughs> We're doing it live now. We can't, can't edit these out. No, no, it's okay. I'm okay with that, Scott. 
So, yeah. So, how about you, Scott? How was Christmas? Well, and the New Year's. I did my part to try to move our society closer to herd immunity. Uh, came down with the cron. Oh, uh, the week before Christmas. Oh, the, the Omicron. The, the cron. Yeah. So, uh, that kind of ruined things. Uh, I was only sick for a couple of days, but was told I couldn't go anywhere for 10 days. And of course, my 15 year old son was told he couldn't leave the house <laughs> and go hang out with his buddies. Oh, boy uh until uh my quarantine was over so that made it kind of rough we actually this is the first year we didn't have a christmas tree and i think we i'm talked sorry about, really? what we didn't have a christmas tree because we were at a, we were in north carolina for a wedding came back i got quarantined and we just never at that point it was just too late we just i can't believe that in today's society you can't door dash a christmas tree or something <laughs> like probably that. could yeah i went looking around and it, it well, not and, door uh, or like instacart a yeah. christmas tree i'm sure that, that's a good idea for an app for next maybe i'll get that going for next year but yeah it's first time and i think we talked about this before i actually grew up on a tr christmas tree farm so I right think my dad was was uh, rolling over uh but uh so we it was it was not as bad as a christmas as we thought it was going to be though considering okay i mean watched way too much tv but yeah and college football that i couldn't care less about but I watched an unbelievable documentary. Um, it was called Filthy Rich. I saw that. It was on. I was flipping through last night and saw that. It was. I did not watch it. Though. It's kind of a screwed up thing because it's the story of Jeff, Jeffrey Epstein. Oh. And it is intense. Um, but the reason why I watched it was because, you know, his longtime girlfriend was just found guilty. And they're using this as a tactic of saying that she did not get a fair trial because people, it, I don't know if the jury, if any of the jurors, right. I mean, obviously they would know that, but they're, they're saying that, that this could uh, persuade, uh, you know, a verdict. So I'm like, well, hell, I got to watch this. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not here to talk politics or any of that stuff, but I, I highly suggest that you guys in the room, and our listeners watch it and form your own opinion. But it is intense. But where is that on Netflix? Netflix, but they might be taking it off soon. All right. So it was on as of last night. Still, as of yeah. Last yeah, as of last night, it was still on. Yeah, I mean, and that's again, they're talking about taking it up. I don't know. I mean, she's already found guilty. Right. So they are actually, because um, I got an email about it last night. Peacock, the NBC streaming network. Yep come out just came out with a uh documentary on maxwell oh jeez so well, they, they, they don't waste any time do they? no no so i don't they had you know, that one in the uh, they call that they had that one in the can in the can i don't know how you know similar or how much of the information is going to be the same or if it's going to be you know more told from her point of view or from you know her involvement with whatever was going on oh she was involved oh yeah did you see, did you see the one, Dan? Yes, I did. So, okay. All right. Yes. Yeah. It, if I was her, I would hope I would be praying that they would not uh, make another one on the whole situation. No, but um, while you're on the topic, did you see also Netflix documentaries? They got the uh, Tiger King season two out. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> no, I did not see that. We, we have not uh, watched that one yet, but that is on our list to check out there. Danny, okay. Danny, how was Christmas for you guys? Christmas was good. Um, just pretty much like everybody in America, I think, you know, 
we came down with the COVID leading up to it. Christmas be over. Um, yeah, it's a gift that keeps on giving. Yep. Uh, my son just informed me that Christmas is over. Um, <laughs> is he still trying to go see Monsters and Lights? The spirit of Christmas the, the amount of, is never over. The amount of times we had to drive around our neighborhood to look at the same damn lights. <laughs> and of course, some... Uh, one of our lovely neighbors on a couple streets over put a Grinch on his roof. So while we were quarantined, we probably watched the Grinch movie 30 times a day and then had to drive around the neighborhood to go find the Grinch on the roof. <laughs> That's fantastic. Unbelievable. Unreal. Well, uh, it's good to be back and hopefully this new year uh, brings us some sort of uh, joy and happiness, but um, let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. Some COVID-related news. We'll start with the uh, World Junior Hockey Championships. I don't know if you guys usually watch that. Uh, that's one of my favorite events of the year. It's a Boxing Day tradition, Scott. Yeah, it is a Boxing Day tradition. It is It is one of my favorite times, and I, I, I'm livid. Yeah. So four positive tests out of 250 players, and they just canceled the whole thing. So I got, I, I put a few things on Twitter. I actually ended up getting a bit of a Twitter battle with uh, you sure a couple did. Of people. You sure did. Um, the two points I tried to make was one. Tough guy behind the uh, keyboard. Right. Yeah, the, the, Witter, the Witterverse was on fire. <laughs> yeah. The, the uh, four positive, te- we're talking about teenage athletes in peak physical condition, fully vaccinated, no symptoms. Four of them out of 250 and they canceled the whole event. So my first point was that's ridiculous. They shouldn't have canceled it. And then they're talking about playing it this summer uh, in, in Canada, same place. And my second point was don't bother because the virus is still going to be around. And if you're going to have the same protocol and the same basically zero tolerance for risk, and you're going to cancel it with four positive cases, don't bother. You're just going to end up doing the same thing. So I said, move it to Texas. And I was told that I didn't know what I was talking about because the Dallas Stars canceled a couple games, which is, you know, that's a different scenario. That's because it's the NHL has to come up with a protocol that is acceptable in 32 markets, seven of which are in Canada. So did they um, tr- did they truly uh, uh, bubble them like they did last time? No. no. Right. So yeah, they didn't think they were going to have to. And I don't think that was a problem. It was the fact that if you're going into it saying, OK, if three kids test positive, we're going to just shut the whole thing down. That's ridiculous. So uh I think what what baffles me is we are 365 days later when you were able to get a tournament completed and our medical advancements have gotten better, but yet we're shutting it down. And the, the virus is different. It's not the same thing. It's just not. Or the fact that they flat canceled the women's. Yeah. Well, I know, that, I know that's coming up, but. Well, yeah. And they. Well, they canceled, I think, 20 events, all, you know, the IIHF canceled all kinds of events, including the women's U18 tournament, which pissed people off. And I get that. The president of the IIHF made a good point, which is that the Olympics, the World, men's world championships and the world junior pay for all the other tournaments. Those are the three that make money. So that's why they tried to have it. That, that won't be a good enough answer for some people, but that, is a valid uh, point that he brought up. Do you think the Olympics happens? No, neither do I. I agree. No, 
So uh, what else? One, one last note on that. Uh, this is from the Hockey News. According to multiple eyewitness reports that surfaced on Twitter on Friday evening, the Russian junior team was apparently escorted off their return flight home from Calgary by police due to repeated occurrences of unruly behavior. What led to this removal, according to reports, were multiple instances of the players refusing to wear masks, attempting to smoke cigarettes while on the plane, and ignoring flight attendants when repeatedly asked not to do that. His removal from... (laughs) (laughs) Well, they were upset, man. I mean... Russians hacking darts on a plane? Come on. Yeah. I mean, that's 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 the odd part of that story. Should no. we not have done that? We didn't know. Right. And, and yeah, that's what you're right. Oh, like some people are like, oh, really? Most of us in the yes. hiker world are like, yeah. And? And what? Yes. What you was know. the other? There was, uh, yeah. Well, they, they, they weren't listening to the flight attendants because they couldn't understand English, even though three quarters of the Russian team was playing in, a, in North America. Is that what they said? No. No. Oh, I'm, oh. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Oh. No. All the Russians that listen are going to. They didn't bring any. They brought all Russian. They were one of the teams. They don't bring any uh, local or kids that are playing in Canada. They don't have any North Americans on a Russian national team? Wow. Hey, Putin scored seven goals the other night, though. Putin stays true, man. (laughs) Hey, Putin just had seven genos the other night. Did you see him, though? Yeah, would you go around and, and take the puck? Did it look like anybody was really going to go no. near? Him? I bet he's going to smoke on the plane if he wants. Yet, yet <laughs> they're like, "Oh, Putin had he had seven goals." Oh, I, I'm surprised he didn't have nine. <laughs> it's a great butterfly. Well, moving right along, Dublin Jerome's two to one win over Olentangy Orange on December 18th gave Celtics head coach Pat Murphy career win number 400. His career record now stands at 401, 186, and 45 and includes three district titles and nine Blue Jacket Cups during his 18-year tenure behind the bench. Congratulations, Coach. And we got another other congratulations are in order to friend of the show, Toledo Walleye head coach Dan Watson, who has earned an, an appearance behind the bench in the ECHL All-Star Game for the third time in his career. Watson will host a team of ECHL East Coast Hockey League All-Stars against the host Jacksonville Icemen on January 17th. Watson recently coached the walleye during Toledo's Winterfest, during which a record was set for the largest crowd to ever watch a hockey game in Toledo. 11,231 fans attended the first of two walleye games played at Fifth Third Field, home of the Toledo Mudhens, over the holidays. A number of high school games were also on the docket for that great event. Columbus Mavericks defenseman Brian Odstrichel was named the United States Premier Hockey League Great Lakes Division Player of the Month for December. The 6'3 blue liner and Massachusetts native has scored seven goals and assisted on 12 more for 19 points in 28 games this season. Pretty impressive numbers, man. Very impressive. And I know that was your, it was your turn to read, but I know you didn't want to have to try to say Odstra shell. I'm just moving on, bro. (laughs) This segment of the Ohio hockey digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio hockey project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about drop-in skills and individual and small group sessions. We'll be right back after this short break with our ho- or with our guest, Joe Sherman. 
I'm not the one who's so far away when I feel the snake bite enter my veins. Never did I wanna be here again, and I don't remember why I came. Welcome back to On Air. Our guest tonight is a longtime friend of the show. He's been a fixture in the hockey community for a better part of 15 years. While you may not know his name, there is no doubt you've seen him work. From the local leagues to NCAA to the East Coast Hockey League and the American Hockey League, he's officiated at different levels on both the men's and women's side. Here to get to know him and a different perspective on the game of hockey at numerous levels, Please welcome on air referee, linesman, and avid fisherman, Mr. Joe Sherman. Welcome, Joe. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. No problem. No problem. Well, you know what? You're in studio. You're the second one to be in studio here. So thank you for coming in. Appreciate this. Talk to our listeners about how you got started in hockey. After school skate at Mentor Public Schools, they had a little bus that came around. And, uh, you know, it was something different. So I started going, uh, you know, once a week and there was a kid that played hockey there. They had a little, uh, sporting goods inside Herman's sporting goods way out in Mentor. Oh yeah. I got some mm-hmm. pro player hockey skates for like $20. They were hockey skates. They weren't like the Brown, you know, leather skates. And I just enjoyed skating real fast out there. And the, the whole goal was to win the race at the end of the, the bus program. And, you know, once I did that, I'm like, I'm going to play some hockey. So, Played uh, my youth hockey at Menor. From there, played for the Cleveland Americans and played some junior hockey, which took me to playing some college hockey to starting a referee. Where did you play your junior in college? All right, so I played junior hockey. The Cleveland Americans had a junior hockey team in like 97, played at Euclid right after the Barons lost their junior B team. And it was the Central States Hockey League at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the following year, that was 96, so 97, uh, that the team was the Junior Lumberjacks for a year, still in the Central States Hockey League. Uh, the following year after that, I went up north and played in the Toronto Metro League for the Niagara Scenics. Um, the following year after that, that league kind of merged with the Ontario Provincial Hockey League, and I played a season up there. And after that, I went to SUNY Cortland for a season. And knew I wasn't going to be a professional hockey player and was so far away from home and uh, had a girl back at home that was more important than hockey at that time. So brought me back home and I still wanted to be part of the game. And I knew I wasn't going to be a good coach. I wasn't like a captain of a team ever. So wasn't like really that that wasn't going to be what I was going to do. And I saw a niche in refing and I loved it right away. So when did you I, I mean. 
when did you know that it was time to put the stick down and, and pick up the whistle? I mean, you got, you say you got started after college there. And was that just that you the minute you tried it, you, you were hooked. I'd be part of the game. I can have an impact. And, and what yeah, was the thought? Yeah, definitely. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't be a good referee player. Like I would not, I'm sorry. I wouldn't encourage a kid to be a referee and play hockey. Like that totally played like, I follow the rules as a referee. When I was a player, like I wouldn't think twice of sticking a guy, right? So <laughs> you would totally kill my game if I was a referee and a player. It's totally the sick next guy. time he does our game and calls a penalty, like Joe, you would have done that. Yeah, it was a different style game back then. <laughs> clutch and grab, a lot of clutch and grab. A lot of clutch and grab, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and uh, just, you know, went at it from that. Right after uh, I was done playing, I loved it. Just it's being part of the team. Like you have, like you guys lead the team, but I'm still part of the team. I come to the locker room. I, you know, I'm I'm excited to be there. Uh, it's just something I'm into. Do you, uh, if you were a, the type of player that mixed things up a little bit, do you think that makes you uh, helps you be a better referee? Kind of understanding. Uh, being able to read the temperature of things. That oh, are going definitely. On. Uh, reading the temperature of the game is a huge factor. You have to uh, going into the game. You uh, at the different levels, you have a, a stat sheet. You know what happened the last time the guys played. Uh, what happened the night before. So you definitely know you got to read the temperature of the players. Uh, you know Sunday skate, uh, Friday afternoon. Uh, you know Winter Classic when there's eleven thousand people out there. Uh, it's, it's a, you know, reading the temperature of the game is going to be a different playoffs, you know, even local playoffs, you know, it's a def- different temperature of the game when you're at Brooklyn, you know. Yeah. And you've officiated in uh, several different leagues throughout your career. For any uh, young players that are out there listening that might think maybe uh, they would think about getting into refereeing at some point in the future, um, what's the process to become an on ice official? Well, it's just like uh, signing up for USA Hockey as a player. You go on there and there's a registration for an official. Uh, I guess that would be the best way because the development and the tools and education that they have on that website and that the USA Hockey program is going to put you through is going to be much better than the Federation. Like a player could technically sign up and be a high school referee and have no no education. They need to pass like a 50 question, multiple choice question test. And they're an official. Uh, I don't think that a guy that does that is going to get many games. So they want to see that, that they, you know, there's no development, like where you should stand, where you should go, like how you should talk to someone where you, you know, how to drop a puck. Right. And you're going to get through that in USA hockey. And I'm pretty sure they have like little short videos. They got to watch, you know, on face offs on offsides and you watch them take a little quiz, you know, so that education that they have there is where you want to start. It's it's very clear, Joe, that it, not only in our world are we short-staffed on employees, but also in our game, we are short-staffed um, on referees as well. What do you attribute the officiating shortage uh, throughout sports, not just hockey, and what can be done to, to be the remedy of that? Well, I would attribute it to parents. It's uh, the problems in the parents. They, uh, they got a lot of money invested in their kids and a lot of time invested in their kids. You know, I go to work all week. 
Friday and Saturday, I'd rather like be able to catch up on my yard work and, you know, paint my rooms, you know, do stuff like that. And no, I'm taking, you know, Jimmy up to Detroit for hockey. So I think it puts a lot of stress on the parents as, as well as the players, but uh, that's where all the problems I see, like they put the problems on the coaches, the coaches have problems then with the players, then the coaches could turn and have some problems with the referee as a referee. I don't want to have any problems with the coach. I want them to go out there and coach their team and just say, Hey, Joe's here. I'm going to have a fair game. I'm just going to concentrate on working with my team, right? To have to battle me, the parents, your players, and then your own personal life. You know, we don't want that. So do you see a shortage in uh, officials? I mean, we see it here and I I can really only speak at the high school level jokes. I don't know what it's like at the junior college or, or pro level. Is there a shortage throughout the entire? No. Yeah. Top down. There is. Yeah. Okay. There's a shortage of, you know, high level officials after this, you know, the right. high level officials, they, they can only take so much of it as well at gotcha. the next level. And, you know, they're aging out and you got to push these guys through. It's hard to push them even through at this point because there's a shortage yep. and you got to have a guy that is willing to want to do this, travel all over the, all over the earth in the worst conditions to ref hockey games. Right. So for our listening audience, could you tell us the difference between a linesman and a referee? Yeah, the referee calls all the penalties, right? Controls the game. And the linesman does all face-offs, uh, does all the, the line calls, offsides, icings, right? So he has a different position, and uh, I'm watching different things than the, the referee is. How? Sorry, go ahead. The, the more a linesman can help the referee out, right, or any, anyone, you know, the more the defense can help the offense out and – pressuring in the offensive zone, right? The greater your team's going to be. So as a linesman, the more of the rules that I know, the more of the situations that I know, the more that I can help out a referee. Sometimes that I have more experience sometimes on the ice than he does even reffing, right? Uh, the greater the outcome is going to be for our team out there. And the goal is for us to, you know, have a flawless game. So I'm, I'm going to ask this question and obviously know the answer to it. How do you differentiate between the referee and a linesman? All right, the referee has the orange bands, and he's not going to go uh, drop any faceoffs. Besides, man, yeah, in some leagues at the beginning of the game. But but our our listeners, if you're you know if you're at the youth level, high school level, whatever, there are no orange bands on the referees. They are the linesmen and the referees at the same time. Right for youth hockey, definitely. Okay, there's only two referees out there, and they both have the lines positions and the referees positions, so they're following. Both things. And in fairness, that question came from over the weekend. I was at a game and, and I happened to hear people in the, in the, in the uh, off the ice screaming at the linesman and telling him he was blind. I'm like, the guy's made every call he's supposed to make. So I, I was not being trivial to you, Joe. And you know that we've talked about it, but that's why where that question came from. Yeah, that's the best thing about this show. Uh, and I, I want to shout out to you guys is you guys educate the families in Cleveland hockey. I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of Cleveland hockey. I love it. I listen to every show on the road. Thanks for what you do, Scott. It's very organized. I love it. I love listening, chiming in with these guys. I love following the local guys, their success. But you guys educate the parents around the glass. I stand there as a parent, as a referee, and they're just a very group of uninformed people out there. And that's <laughs> why I really, I really think the show does uh, justice to that. Well, if we can get to at least one person, then 
we've we've satisfied the goal of this whole thing so well we got to the one person we finally got him in the studio. yeah right right uh, i'm going to ask you about uh your first games at different levels but before i ask you that um we've had uh, a couple of officials on ice officials on the show Guy bradshaw uh we had don van massenhoven on the show we asked him has he ever made a makeup call so i want to ask you the same question Put him on the spot right there. Definitely not. His answer was no. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Actually, he, actually, he he looked at us. I thought he was coming through the screen at us when they asked him that question. Because oh, you know what? That was all do- done during Zoom. Yeah. Uh, that was well. I guess we're still COVID, but that was all done during Zoom. So we got you here now in person, and you've never made a makeup call. No, the worst is once you make a soft call, and it's after that you're like, oh man, you know, now you're just on radar looking for the next thing. But can't you can't make up have a makeup call. None. No. None. No. Not 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 at not at Cleveland Heights about five years ago. No. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. (laughs) He goes, I don't know, but Jay's like, I got it right here on film. (laughs) Show me. Clint called in with that question. Sorry. (laughs) So, do you remember? Well, first of all, which uh, college levels have you or leagues have you officiated in? All right. So, uh, as a referee, you're an independent contractor, so you really got to push yourself. Right. And the, the ceiling's the limit. You can go and call any of these supervisor officials of any of these leagues and try to get on board. Right. So uh, I, I really loved it and I wanted to get better. And I saw that this is what you had to do. So I go down to Pittsburgh. I go to Indiana. I go to anywhere that would, you know, hire Joe Sherman because I'm an independent contractor. So, you know, I, I tried to push myself, you know, to the limit right away. Uh, I started doing the college stuff. And USA Hockey has this thing. It's called the USA Hockey Development Program. All right. And they'll push your, there's guys that do this for full time, uh, like, you know, 19 to 20 year olds, put 100 million miles in your car, drive all over God, green earth. Right. So uh, I got involved with that, but I was already an older guy doing this. All right. I was married and had kids. So my goal was uh, kind of to follow the path of a local legend around here, Brian Wisner, who is an English teacher at Lakewood. And then he was a local linesman for the American Hockey League. I'm like, I want to do that. I could do that. Like, I could have a real job and do this. Like, this is an attainable goal. So I just worked my way up through that. Uh, I worked in the CCHA when they had Bowling Green, Ohio State, and Miami, because it used to be more, uh, you know, like regional. Uh, I got hooked up with the Atlantic Hockey League probably like 15 years ago now. And they have Mercyhurst, Robert Morris, Niagara, Canisius. Uh, It's great to see the local guys at that level. Uh, that's the best part of this job. Uh, and now, like, when I see him from the collegiate level to the coast to the American League, it's it's so awesome. It's just see a, you know, a familiar face. And then just, you know, start pumping, you know, keep working until you get to the next level. That's interesting. I didn't realize, like, the Big Ten doesn't have a defined list of here are the Big Ten referees. No, no, they definitely do. Play. The Big Ten definitely does. Every one of these leagues has a, a list. You want to get yourself on that list. Um, the guy that runs the Big Ten used to run the CCHA at the same time. Uh, CCHA lost half their league. He went from 13 to 6. And uh, the guy told me at that point, hey, uh, you're not one of my top officials. So I moved over and started working more in the Atlantic Hockey League. And that guy uh, pushed me to playoffs and then from the playoffs to regional NCAA playoffs to a Frozen Four in 2019. But you're not married to one league for the year. You can work around different Definitely. Big As, 10, Atlantic Hockey, CCHA. Yep. 
They all use the same uh, uh, assigning program and they can all see. And so top down from the American League, probably they can take whoever they want, whenever they want. And they would, uh, you know, they would assign over if you were at the Mercyhurst, say that weekend. Right. So what was the first NCAA Division One game that you officiated? Uh, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I don't about, have any like. How about your first pro game? Pro, first pro game. Oh, all right. So working up through this development program, you work through, uh, so they put you like through the Central States Hockey League to the North American Hockey League. So you're doing ACHA stuff. Uh, you're scrambling and you're, you're working uh, different rule books in your head, a junior hockey rule book, an NCAA rule book. Uh, and then you get into USHL. And at this particular time in Youngstown, they had this uh, Central Hockey League team called the Steelhounds, mm-hmm. right? And the guy that ran the Central Hockey League was Wayne Bonney. Uh, you know, a legend in the NHL referee and his supervisors of officials was like uh, Scampanelli, you know, guys like that, like, like legends, like older guys though. Uh, so my first game was at central uh, in the central league was <laughs> the Steelhounds were somebody I don't remember, but I'll tell you the best part of the story. Right. So the beginning of the game, it was uh, guns and hoses. <laughs> all right so like the firemen and the stuff? firemen yeah, and the, the cops police, yeah. played the game before right so like they're all the people are there and this was back when that uh cavelli center whatever it's called now mm-hmm. it was kind of brand new and so like they get nice like, building yeah they get like yeah. three thousand people there it was like a, it was a hit right so so they got guns and hoses going on there and um they they had like a dog the steel hound and he had a four-wheeler and he would come out on the uh, ice through the zamboni doors right and uh they dropped spongebob to drop the puck off off at center ice and the four-wheeler all right but spongebob didn't have hands his hands were like inside this box and he spun it and then they would just like spin like this so they didn't really think this through to give the they they couldn't physically give the puck to spongebob to drop the puck right because he had no control of it so it was kind of right just put on top of his head right lean forward so he's standing there well then they close the doors now they have to get SpongeBob out, but he didn't go. He came out the double doors and now they got to get him out through the penalty box through the door back there. And they, I mean, I just the way they squeezed him through the his whole thing flipped, <laughs> he was squished like he was the whole uniform was flipped once they squeezed him through the doors and out. It was, it was hilarious. That's how my first game started. And they had a player coach that year. I wish I would remember his name. And uh he fought right away. First game, like right at the game, dropped the ball. Wasn't he, Jeff Christian? It was, was it? Jeff Christian. That's he's next week. He's, he's next, next week's guest right on the Ohio Hockey Nights <laughs> on air podcast. So he great segue. When I was working in the ECHL, he was coaching in uh, Wheeling. My yep. first couple of years when I was down there, and I'm like, hey Jeff, like you know, like you were player coach of the Central League when I first started. I don't think he even cared, but you know, <laughs> he was always well, nice we'll to me. We'll ask him next week for sure. So it was, it was funny. You talked about SpongeBob and all that. Lev and I went to in the federal was it the federal league port here what's the one up in port here yeah that's the federal it was the old the old ihl when when, like so the ihl became the american hockey league they had nothing to do with the ihl the ihl went up to like port here on kalamazoo it was like a a michigan uh uh sarnia type in that in that realm and now i think it is the the federal league now it was star wars night joe when we went yeah it was a shit show Joe, when we walked in, I mean, we were greet. We're like, we got to find the ticket booth. And there was a fight next door to the war memorial. And Sully opens the door 
And the guy, he's like, hey, can I help you? Yeah, we're looking for the hockey game. The guy's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I went to the fight and the hockey game broke out. We're like, no, we're really looking for the hockey game. We walked into Boba Fett, oh. Darth Vader. At, they were doing chuck-a-puck that night. Port Huron scored a goal. Everybody threw their pucks. They had to give the announcement to not throw your pucks on the ice. So then, the, so then the stormtrooper came out with the shopping cart from like Uncle Bill's, you know. He bailed, loses his footing, hits his head on the ice. The helmet's rolling down the ice. It was fantastic. Dude, I'm like, we were sitting there. We're like, what in God's name are we wa- are we witnessing right here? I mean, I mean, there was like women walking around with like the big buns on the side of their head that looked like Princess Leia. It was insane. It was insane. So, well, as a linesman, you talked about the difference, but as a linesman, you're uh, down low, you're in the trenches, uh, the meet and greets, if you will, uh, as well as having to break up uh, some fights. I'm sure you've heard some crazy, funny things in those situations. Any stories you can share about any tussles, any, you know, funny stuff like that? Uh, First of all, um, obviously these guys are monsters and I'm only, you know, five foot eight tops, right? Uh, So... I pinch them really hard. All right. So they all like, is, are, is that the technique? That's my technique. Is it? I put, pinch them right in the bellies really hard. And like, I have pretty strong hands. They're like, they're shocked. <laughs> they're shocked. Like, Ow, they like that. So you just grab them? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Well, I'm just asking. I'm just, I never knew this. That's, I'm fascinated. Did you, but, did someone else give you that? Is that something you picked up from somebody I else? I probably came picked up, it up in one of those camps uh, that I went to over the years. You definitely steal from the best, right? Uh, but uh, I guess my favorite one-liner is this one guy one time. You've probably heard it a million times. I just think it's classic. He's like, yo, yo, 46. I didn't see no telephone booth. How'd you turn into Superman? <laughs> <That's my favorite. laughs> what is, what is uh, one of like, so memorable uh, tussles or, or that you had to break up. I'm my most memorable one. I love this one. Uh, I was down in the central league. Uh, I'm pretty sure you guys are friends with a, a goaltender named Andy Frank at one time. Mercyhurst. Okay. Yep. So yep. Andy's playing in the central league and I'll set the stage. I got there. I tell you, I got there like an hour 15 and I should probably be there like an hour 45 hour and a half. And it was a big game. What happened is this team was from, I think it was the Colorado Eagles they were playing at the time. And if the Colorado Eagles won, then they were in the playoffs, but they had to come back to Youngstown, Ohio, right? So they kind of, you kind of felt like they didn't want to win, but Youngstown wins, then, you know, Colorado's out. All right. So it goes down, it goes, it goes in the overtime or third period, late third period. I think it was overtime. And at that arena, they all exit the same door, right? So I got there late, and we had a supervisor, uh, Ray Scampanello, who's a you know just an NHL legend, and I didn't know who he was, right? So like he did his whole presentation to the other two. I didn't know even know who he was, and he's very short, like he's like shorter than I am, all right. So he's a short little ball guy, and he goes, "Hey, where were you?" I'm like, "I'm local guy, like chill out, you know. I get here, not like when I get here, but like yo, know, I came from school. I have a real job." So end of the game, Youngstown wins. And as they're like going their victory lap because they made the playoffs and the other team's leaving, um, the last guy leaving turns around and just guts this guy from Youngstown, like the first guy in the pack. 
like coming around because they're circling, you know, and the guy just guts them. And I'm standing by the door and I'm like, the camera guy's out on the ice. All right. So I push the guy out the door. Like I try pushing the guy out the door because I'm like, oh no, this, all these guys are come back on the ice after this. I'm pushing, I'm, and in the video, I got, the, I can't close the door because the camera wire, this is not wireless back these days. Like I couldn't close it. I'm getting mauled from both sides. The whole arena, I could feel the whole shift of the arena go into this corner. It was a nightmare. All right. So we get back in the locker room and the supervisor's sitting there and his, these benches at Youngstown are kind of high. His feet are dangling. He looks at us like, hey guys, what could we have done different? Right? And I was like, nothing, nothing. We couldn't have done anything different. I was there. I stopped this, you know, from being the you know, biggest nightmare in the world. He goes, okay, all right, right. He leaves. Uh, next day he called me and he you know, told me, this is why we have local linesmen in these leagues. And, you know, that's my goal from here on out, just to be the best local linesman. So when the full-time guys come through, they know that, you know, I know what's going on. I'm not just some, you know, dud, some, you know, someone filling the, filling the spot, but, you know, I have a job to do and I'm going to do it right. So, so let me just ask a yeah, quick question because yeah. you brought this up, Joe, and I think yeah. this is important that people know. So you've, you've, I mean, you, you ref in the NCAA, the East coast, the American hockey league, the central state that, you, you, you ref all over the place. Yeah. But you said, hey, I'm a local guy. I came here from work. What do you do? I'm a middle school teacher at Cardinal Local Schools in Middlefield, Ohio. No free ads. No free ads. <laughs> yeah. But so it, it's, it's, it's great. You teach all day. Then you go and, and travel around and do this. I mean, that's, you know, our listeners might, might have thought that this was his full-time job, and I wanted to make it clear. I knew you taught, but I wanted to make it clear that they understand that you – you, you take care of our, our youth first, and then you do this. Yep. So what was it like the first time you lined here in Cleveland? Oh, I'll tell you, I'm at the point still where uh, I'm, I'm nervous for every game, right? Nervous and excited. Uh, but the, it's a good energy to be nervous and excited that uh, I can, you know, hone in and work with. Oh, keep going. Yeah. So who, how, how did it differ? How did it differ from, so you're in the coast and you get to call the American league. How is that dynamic different? Is it just that they're faster? Is it that they're a little bigger? I mean, the, you get from division one through at least the coast, everybody's pretty much, I don't want to say the same size because you get monsters in every one of the leagues. So it doesn't matter. But what is the difference between take us from NCAA to uh, coast to, to American league? All right. So two different style games completely NCAA there's guys that uh, can be successful referees in the NCAA you can use playback you can use the cameras uh, way more rules there's no fighting they have full cages on it's a different temperature of the game uh, they're flying out there in the NCAA right and they, they they risk it all because they know that you know they don't have to fight anybody if they screw up or mess up or hit someone like uncontrollably uh, when you get to the professional ranks of hockey, uh, when fighting's involved, it's a different game. Like you have to, you know, you have to pay for what you do if you do something wrong. Right. So. Uh, With that being said, Joe, who gives you more headaches, coaches or players? I mean, I'm right on the along the benches the whole time. I'm listening to the <laughs> players. I have a rapport with the players. I probably don't want to, you know, have to 
hear anything from the coach. If it gets through them to him, then I, I, I'm that probably did something wrong. Yeah. Didn't you, weren't you telling a story, <clears throat> excuse me, a story over the summer that Nathan Gerby, he dumped a puck and he went for a line change and you're like, what the hell just happened? Also like the, the other thing is, as you move up through the leagues, the guys are super smart. Right. Uh, and they've been there. Like, you know, like I was there at my first, you know, first year there, these guys have been professional hockey players for, you know, X amount of years. There's guys on the taxi squad that play in the NHL. You can look at some of these, uh, you know, rosters before the game and they're like, and you know, and you know, Kirby's probably a 600 plus game. Right? Guy. <laughs> right. So the way you can learn from these guys is amazing. So uh, we have the, uh, the icing where, you know, they, they, they get to the dot and they blow it down. Right. So uh, he's going to be the first guy there. It's like the old school dump and chase, right? He's the fastest guy on the ice. Uh, they shot it down to icing. Well, he beat the guy to nullify the icing. But once he nullified the icing, he got off the ice and the other guy just touched it. So it looked like the other guy just went down there and touched it, but I had already waved it because he had uh, he'd obtained that 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 special spot between the uh, top of circle and the and the dot. And I was getting hollered at like Jake Bean. They were playing the checkers at uh, Charlotte, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Ned, right? Yeah. But uh, so I, I'm getting hollered at, you know, you're like and like I was like, you know, like what did what did I what did I just see? You know, so you know, but then you know you can go back and watch the games later, see what happened, and you're like. You know, he kind of, he kind of screwed me, but he knew what he was doing. Yeah. <laughs> so when it comes to uh, the fighting in the pros, breaking up the fight, now you've told us that you're going to get into there, you're going to pinch the guy. <laughs> yeah. But the the timing of it. Tommy. So two guys are are going at it, and when do you when's the right time to jump in? How do you know the fight is, for all intents and purposes, over. I mean, obviously, sometimes it's obvious, but if two guys are still up on their feet, tiring each other out, when do you know when to, when to jump in? All right, so like I said, when we get there before the game, we're talking with the other referees, we're a team, we're looking at the stats, we're looking at like, all right, so uh, this guy fought this guy last time, or this guy just got uh, just got traded to this team, and he, he's got like 800 minutes in the uh, Southern Pro League. He's going to be a nightmare today, right? <laughs> so you know this going at not going in, but you know who you're keeping your eye out. You know who to watch. Uh, you know who your biggest threat is. So you have to, you know, eliminate your biggest threat, first of all, right? Uh, mismatches. You can't let a mismatch. You can't have a, a, a guy that can throw down to a goal scorer. You got to break that up right away. You got to get in there and maybe take it a shot in the back just to protect that guy. Um, but once they get going, you know, if it's, you know, Depend like so if it's a like I wouldn't say a stage fight but you know two guys right off the bat are going you let them go you let them throw their elbow pads down and you let them dance and you let you let it go down and then you get in and they're respectful to each other right they pat each other in the back uh, and they'll listen to you too you talk to them it, part of it is communication like I know these guys so you're like you're, you're using their first name it's hey this is Joe I don't want you to punch me you know you could you could you know throw me as far as you wanted right chill out it's over right. Uh, but when it's like two guys when it's just heated and it's nuts and the goalies are at center ice and the, you know, the, the guys are smashing their beers up against the glass. You're like, all right. You know, you just, you smile and you go with it. And it's so much fun. Right? It's, it's so, it's so much fun. You're just part of it. Have you ever caught one in the beak just getting in there at the wrong time? I got to stick to the face uh, down a wheeling the other day. The guy got me and uh, he was, he was, he was apologetic to me. He was, he said he was sorry. <laughs> so when they, when they really go at it and let's say it's just a heated, not, not a setup, if you will. Yeah. And you, they, they fall and you guys are in on top and, and separating them. What are they saying to each other? 
all the worst things. They're like pulling each other's hair. They're fish hooking each other, eye gouging. It's <laughs> uh, so like two brothers going at it, man. The worst things in the world, you know, things about their girlfriends and oh boy, <laughs> everything. But oh then boy. they pat each other on the back and hey, let's do no, this. Not in those situations. Let's run this one back. Let's do it again. <laughs> hey, Joe. Uh, on April 11th, 2019, you had the honor of being a linesman for the 2019 NCAA Frozen Four game between University of Minnesota Duluth and Providence, in which UMD won four to one. What did that assignment mean to you personally? And what was the being what was being part of that Frozen Four like for you? All right, so it's a, a great honor once uh, you move up through the playoffs and the, your commissioner of your league is pushing for you and your crew to go. First of all, uh, I was with an amazing team. And like for something like that to happen, like NCAA to get to the Frozen Four or to get to the championship, you know, you got to have teams from other conferences win and your conference lose. So you're, you're like not cheering for your conference, but you are, you know, uh, AIC made a run that uh, year upsetting someone in the first round. So, so all this stuff has to fall in factor and you got to be like at peak present, you know, performance and ready to go. Right. So uh, getting there with the, the three guys that I got there with uh, the team that we'd been to, uh, I think at that time we had been to three other uh, regional uh, NCAA regional finals. Uh, it was a, it was a great honor. And uh, it, was a lot, it allowed me to, you know, go to the next level. The following year I was working in the East ECHL, you know, the following year I was working in the American hockey league, uh, definite resume builder. Uh, the NCAA is tough. The kids are flying out there. It's a definitely a rules-based league. So, you know, when you come out, out of a, a league like that into pro hockey, it's a little different, but, uh, you know, I, I really love uh, working the NCAA. You know, what's funny to me is, is the fact that I remember having a conversation with you years and years ago where you weren't sure. You weren't sure if you wanted to keep going and pushing the way you were pushing. And I remember a conversation three of us had together and you, you told us you were thinking about being a train engineer. Yeah. And so for the next three weeks that we would run into each other, it was around state tournament time. Every whistle you were blowing a train horn. And that was fantastic to see that you're having fun. Because let's be honest, like you said, you talked about communication. So you come on the ice and you guys always come over to the bench and say hello and this and that. Joe, I know you're 100% serious, 100% loyal to the game, and you always go out and try to do it to your best. And I'm not saying this because I believe you have one of our games this week. I really mean this. But you're always having a good time. And that shows through to the players that know that, you know, you're in this, but it's you're loving it. And I've watched you uh, uh, line and officiate different games at different levels. Your demeanor doesn't change, and it, it's fantastic to watch. What happened to the train uh, engineer? Uh, what happened? Oh, that was that was that was rough. Uh, you know, like uh, yeah, I just graduated from college and I couldn't find a full time teaching job. And you can only substitute, you know, you know, you can only take that if you so long. <laughs> What's <laughs> worse? You think, you think referees bad? <laughs> yeah, right, right. No substitute teacher. So substitute school teacher is the worst job you can have in the world. I would rather clean toilets in a Mexican bathroom, <laughs> a Mexican restaurant, than be a substitute school teacher. You got to go in there with a substitute school teacher with like a list of rules ready to go down. So what's next for you? Where, where are you at in your, in your uh, officiating season right now? How many different leagues are you at? I know COVID makes 
made some pauses to certain different things. Where are you at? And what do you have coming up? Oh, I have a great season. I'm, uh, I'm having a good season as well. Um, this year I got hired in the OHL and that just adds to uh, the number of games and higher level games and, you know, top prospects I get to see. Uh, I lost out because Robert Morris's team, you know, dropped off. And uh, so I lost uh, probably, you know, probably good 10, 11 games there. I was able to pick them up uh, in the OHL uh, up in Erie. So I'm working there and I, I was lucky up, uh, to get that because they're having a hard time getting guys over the border. And, you know, as uh, you know, local linesmen, you know, with a good reputation, I was uh, fortunate enough I actually been hired back in 2006 when they had a few uh, border situations as well. So, uh, but to be on the staff full-time this year, uh, you know, I'm super jacked about that. So I'm there Saturday and I got a, I got a pretty good week. I'm here. Uh, I'm in Wheeling on Wednesday up in Erie in the OHL on uh, Saturday and then back in Wheeling on Sunday. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, for a part-time gig. I mean, I'm working pretty hard this week. So you go wheeling on Wednesday. Yeah. Come back, teach Thursday. Oh yeah. Drive to Erie. Oh, you're, well, you're, Erie, you're on Saturday. Saturday. You're yeah. Saturday. I mean, you're putting in the miles, man. Oh, what I got drive? a 2000, 2010 Subaru Outback. I got 230,000 miles on it and it's my third engine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before, I, I, did you say you were Winterfest? No, I was not up there. You were not up there for that? Okay. No. <laughs> well, Joe, uh, you know, we've talked numerous times about getting you on the show, and, and you did not disappoint. Uh, we thank you for taking the time to come here. Uh, join us live. Uh, be on the show. Educate the people like we talk about, like we like, we like to do. Uh, tell us some stories. So, uh, again, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's Joe Sherman. Uh High level, many different level referee, but most importantly, Ohio based, Cleveland based uh, referee. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us uh, this week. Make sure you tune in next week. We will be speaking with former NHL player and Cleveland Lumberjack, Mr. Jeff Christian. Check out www.ohiohockeydigest.com for episode archives and a list of upcoming guests. We're continuing to grow the game as best as we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.